Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, today, we will be taking our first look into investor and stakeholder public relations and telling their story. So the question, first, what are the keys to success in investor and stakeholder relations? And number two, what are the methods and platforms used to achieve the success? My guest today began his storytelling career as a Pulitzer Prize-nominated Associated Press photojournalist traveling the world telling human stories. He has built and sold a public relations firm and worked with one of the most creative full-service agencies in the Western United States and helped propel a publicly traded multinational company from a $400 million IPO to $5 billion in market capitalization. Now, through GH Strategies, he works with global brands to create strategic marketing campaigns that propel companies forward. He has a bachelor's degree from Cal State Long Beach, an MBA from the University of Phoenix, and is a graduate of the Executive Leadership Program at Columbia University and has studied in other postgraduate programs. In 2021, he was named the Communications Strategist of the Year by Corporate Livewire and one of 30 innovators to watch by Silicon Review. In 2018, he was named the most influential marketing executive in Nevada by Acquisitions International and other accolades. He earned his accreditation in public relations in 2017. So joining me today from the great state of Nevada is Ira Gostin, APR president of GH Strategies. So thank you for being our guest today, Ira. Hi, Peter. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's begin by telling you, uh, or asking you, I should say, to provide sort of an overview of investor and stakeholder public relations, and perhaps how is it different uh, than just normal public relations, considering that you're dealing maybe with companies that are on the stock market? So, yeah, you know, it's pretty similar to traditional public relations, which, you know, as you know, has about 10,000 different pieces to it. What we do is we work with public companies in the mining space. So we're very niche-oriented, 
and we have different rules that we have to deal with. So not only do we have to deal with FTC things, but we have to deal with the SEC um, as far as being a promoter for public companies. But at the end of the day, it's pretty simple to, we, we identify the audience and we identify what our audience cares about. And then we figure out a way to build that story and tell that story for that client. And it may take a little bit different form or some turns here and there, but what we practice is stakeholder engagement. So we're looking at ways to communicate the story and actually engage with those uh, shareholders or stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Now, when you say what they care about, and let's stick with the mining area, so when you are looking for their interests and what they care about, what are you finding are, are those things at the top that they really need to know? Um, so there's different different kind of categories. Uh, you may have an investor who only is looking at gold companies. And if the client has gold and other metals, they don't want to deal with that. If they're in a jurisdiction that investor doesn't feel comfortable with, that's going to be an issue. So we really look, We sometimes we send surveys out to, you know, we'll send out a, sur- a survey on behalf of the company and ask straight out, you know, what, what do you look at when you invest in a company? And it's a little bit different from traditional PR because the product that we're trying to help promote is actually the shares of the company, mm-hmm. not a physical asset. So, you know, we really try to identify what are the key things in the story to get to that audience. And that makes it pretty interesting for us because we're really having to do our homework. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of mining, does that mean that they want to know how many products or, or let's say gold that they're selling or, uh, what sort of things do you find that they're really interested in knowing about? So um, a lot of companies, um, ESG, uh, environment, social governance, that's the big thing right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I find that for us to have impact into these stakeholder groups, we really need to talk about the company. Every company can talk about their production. How many ounces of gold or how many ounces of silver, how many ounces of lithium are they going to produce a year? But what we try to do is humanize the company a little bit, talk about the CEO, do interviews, social media with the CEO, build that trust between that shareholder and the company through the CEO's connection to them. So that's where we really try to build that. So if a shareholder is concerned about a jurisdiction, we'll try to talk about that and help uh, de-risk it for them. Now, when you say jurisdiction, you mean where the actual mine is located or where the headquarters is located? What? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so the where the mine is, you know, where is the mining done? So mining happens all over the world. Our, our mining clients right now are in Canada and uh, the U.S., but there are companies that have, you know, mining operations in other countries that people feel are too risky, so they might not invest in that company because uh, they don't like the risk profile. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's all part of the pieces. It's a, it's a big puzzle when we come up with our strategy of what are the things, and, and it's like any other traditional PR, you know, what's the headline, what's the, what's the impact, what, uh, what's important for us to talk about. Now, just uh, let's say going back to a, a goal, I believe it was, and you say that in some, some countries, they feel that it might be too risky. How do you, what risk are they concerned about government takeover? And, and also, how do you still get the message out that it's still a good company to invest in? Um, that's where we spend a lot of, you know, everybody has their own fears or, you know, identified risks. There are certainly, you know, I know companies that are um, exploring, trying to develop mines in the U.S. You know, Nevada is a much easier jurisdiction than, say, California. So when you have something that's that there's a risk, that's where that CEO being strong and communicative and telling the company story um, can really help a company position itself and it, you know, at that point, we look at, okay, well, what's the best way for us to tell the story? What are the tools that we have available to us that we can help that CEO tell the story of their company? Mm-hmm. Have you had any interest in looking into, the, it, it seems to be the new thing right now, diamonds that are created in laboratories? Yeah, I, you know, I follow, um, I follow along with things. I haven't had any companies approach me at all yet that there's... Within mining, there's coal mining, there's diamonds, there's energy metals. We work with clients in the lithium sector, and then we work with clients in the gold and silver. So we haven't had that opportunity yet, but, you know, each thing has its own little challenges, uh, you know. And at the end of the day, it's still a commodity, whether you're growing corn or you're pulling gold out of the ground it's you know what are the economics and what what are your costs and what are your profits going to be and so it's an interesting you know i really get into the numbers with clients and have fun kind of looking at this and sort of saying okay what's digging around and finding that thread of a story that wow this is pretty interesting but uh, i think that the laboratory diamonds thing is going to be interesting and it's, I think it's here to stay, but uh, we'll see how it goes down the road. Okay. Now you mentioned lithium considering the uh, phenomenal growth or if you will, of battery operated cars. And I think most of them are lithium battery driven. How are you, are you involved in, in that arena? Um, it's so one of our clients is a lithium project and they're, uh, awaiting permitting to move forward with uh, construction of the mine. And there's several uh, lithium companies in Nevada. Uh, there's also a couple on the East Coast. And you've had politicians talking about, you know, one in particular was talking about their state saying, you know, we want to have every car in the state be an electric vehicle by 2035. Mm-hmm. Um, great soundbite, makes the headlines. Totally not possible. The, the, their staff didn't talk to the mining industry before that. There's not enough identified lithium to, out there to, to do that. It, it's coming forward, and the, uh, you know, the administration in Washington is, is moving forward and trying to fast-track permitting, but it takes a little bit of time to, to identify a deposit, 
make sure that it's economic, which is a huge factor, and then build the mine and, and you know, get the lithium carbonate or whatever it is into production. So uh, th- there's going to be some steps to go through here. The uh, electric vehicle takeover is not going to happen as fast as the politicians are talking about, but it's definitely coming. Well, it sounds like it because I think General Motors, if I'm not mistaken, has thrown down the gauntlet, said that they plan to be all all electric. What is it, about 2025, I believe it might have been, that they, they, yeah, they put it there? I, I don't remember the date, but it's coming, and, and it's not going to happen by the time they said. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's not enough battery materials out there to do that, but they'll make a, they'll make a big dent, and I think you're going to start to see some other companies follow that lead where they are going to head and there might be hybrids or, you know, everybody's going to have a different kind of angle on it. GM just announced a huge investment in a a lithium development project in in Northern Nevada. And so, you know, you're seeing companies invest in these mining companies to build that. You know, uh, Elon Musk has talked about having his own lithium mine to uh, develop lithium for batteries for Teslas. Whether that happens or not, who knows? But uh, it's definitely a chan- changing landscape for sure. Well, you know, as I listen to you talk about, the, obviously, the, the electric cars are coming and they're coming rather quick. It seems to me that that might present or some people might see that as a great opportunity to uh, invest now because eventually all the cars and trucks are going electric. And by the way, there are some airplanes now that, that have electric motors in them. Yeah, I, I just I just saw um, a video a week or two ago of private plane that was rechargeable. And I know there are boats that are like that. And it's, it's definitely, you know, it, it's, not, it's not a fad by any stretch. And... You know, I think you're going to start to see some big trucks. Tesla announced in, near Reno uh, they're going to be building their truck plant to build electric trucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've already got 18-wheeler type, you know, big rig trucks that are electric. So it's, I think we're going to see some some major changes. There, there's, to be honest, there's so much news on the electric vehicle front that it's hard to keep up with. And you know, keep up with everything else. Um, but it's fascinating. It's, it's fascinating to watch it and be a tiny part of it. And that's where I'm going with my next question. It, it seems to me that you, where you are in terms of selling the story, if you're telling the story, if you will, about, and let's stick with lithium, that, you know, the future is, is just about here. Or for some practice, it, it is here. So, you know, this seems to be an investment opportunity that makes sense for people to get involved with it now while before it gets too big, so to speak. Yeah, it, it, and it depends on you know individuals. I, I was at a investment, a mining investment conference in Vancouver last week, and you know, there's early stage companies, there's production where they're actually producing, and you know those kind of companies, and they pay a dividend. And if you're at, at an age where you're starting to look down the street and see the retirement signals an early stage mining company might not be your play. You know, it might be too much risk and too much waiting. But if you're, uh, you know, if you're 30 and you're looking at future things, 
Yeah, this is a great time. You know, there's so many different ways to invest in the mining industry. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a very good friend who uh, I've met years and years ago, and and turns out when I got into mining, he was starting to invest in it. And he has a, you know, we talk about it from his standpoint. And, you know, he has uh, investments in companies. He has royalty companies. So, there are mining companies that don't actually mine anything. They take streams of revenue off of mining companies. Mm-hmm. So they're called a royalty company, and that's a different kind of story. Their risk is spread out over multiple companies. You know, you can invest in mining by buying physical gold and storing gold bars towards your retirement <laughs> in your basement. You know, there's so many different ways to do it, and they're all out there. They're, they're all out there with their own agenda. Well, considering uh, that, that you've faced a lot of, I guess, a lot of challenges, m- my next question is perhaps what is the biggest challenge you've faced as you've had to deal with uh, miners, uh, perhaps in getting people to, to buy or to, to make some sort of changes in their behavior to accept you know, lithium mines or, or other sorts of mines? What has been your biggest challenge there? Um, you know, I think, you know, years ago, I, uh, I worked at a, a silver company. We operated in Guatemala, and I, I love Guatemala. It was just the, the people there are amazing, and, but Guatemala was a difficult sell. And you try to help people de-risk it so that they can understand it. As it turns out, after I left the company, they actually lost. The government took away their operating permit. And they're still negotiating to try and make that happen. But it's, you know, just to kind of speak generally, it's, I think that people, the mining industry in the past has had uh, some bad behavior and responsible mining companies are what we have now. And for the most part, you've got good, solid, good citizens. We care about the earth and and mining people um, care about the future of the planet. But, you know, I'm kind of reminded of people will talk about not being, you know, they don't like mining, but, you know, we've got a big football game coming up Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, without mining, there's just some guys standing in a parking lot. There's no big silver trophy. There's no stadium. There's no grass. You know, the artificial turf mm-hmm. uh, is, comes from mining. You know, we're, we all are attached to our mobile phones without mining it's two cans and a string. Um, so it's, uh, you know, my, mining is, I, I, I fell into this by accident and I, I absolutely love this career and uh, I, I love talking about it. You know, and, and I think that's interesting that you've identified so much that comes from mining that we probably don't pay attention to it. I have no idea. So part of this I see is education on your part to let people know the benefits from mining. And it's not just gold and silver and, and, uh, you know, things that they might see every day, but there's so much that comes from the ground as a result of mining that perhaps we couldn't live without it. Yeah. Our, our lifestyle these days, uh, you know, I, every once in a while I'll run into anti-mining people and they're, they have their eyeglasses on and their watch and their <laughs> jeans. And, you know, without mining, they're wrapped in banana leaves. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it's, um, but I, I really 
the industry has to do a better job mm-hmm. of holding itself accountable. And I think that we're seeing that now. There's um, companies are, uh, th- this whole ESG movement has helped with that a lot. Companies are now talking about all of the great things uh, that they do and the safety and the safety of the earth and all those things are important. And I think they were happening before. They just didn't really talk about it a whole lot. Well, it seems that the timing is right because obviously if we talk about the environment, the environment being polluted and a lot of other things, but there are also some good things that are, are happening, such as obviously cars switching over to uh, to batteries, for example, and a lot of other things. As I mentioned before, people don't know, but there are the airplanes now with the, the smaller ones with the electric engines and then some of the newer jets that are minimizing the uh, pollution that they distribute from, from their jet engines. So a lot of things are happening now, and it seems like the, this gives you a good platform to be on to talk about mining because of all of the positive things that it it has been doing and is doing now. Yeah, and, you know, it's I, I'm, I'm really proud to be part of this industry. It, it's, uh, you know, for a, for a guy that started out in journalism, you know, when we were in journalism school, I avoided anything to do with science or ology at the end of it. And uh, it's been a it's been an interesting learning curve, that's for sure. But it, it's a fascinating business. Mm-hmm. Well, Ara, um, since you brought this up, are there anything that maybe we have missed as we talked about, particularly your, your involvement primarily with the mining industry and the public relations that goes along with that? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how you could get a bunch of marketers and PR people in a room and ask them what their most important tool is, and it may take a while to get there, but a company story is really that it's free. It doesn't cost anything. It's some sometimes the avenues to tell the story, uh, you know, have a fee, but the company story is what people want to hear. And, and we live in a world where we're bombarded with information. I mean, certainly now more than ever. And, you know, I remember back when I was an undergrad, they talked about it took seven impressions to, to make a brand stick in your brain. And now they're talking about, you know, 700 to 7,000 impressions mm. because there's so many pieces of information coming at us. But a story will connect the dots it'll connect the heart and the and the brain and you know a spreadsheet doesn't do that as frame but a good story will generate interest and drive uh engagement and we, we love helping companies tell their stories mm-hmm. well that's what i was about to say regardless of what it is as pr people we are pitching to the public or otherwise, it's the story that uh, helps it gain traction, and it has to be a very well-developed and delivered story so that, that people can appreciate the value of the content that's being presented to them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, um, you know, I read a figure, you know, between 25 and 50 times greater impact a story over facts and figures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more generations that we bring in as consumers. You know, we have a client right now where we're actually going to be working with a vendor on a TikTok campaign. And you know, that's pretty new for my team, but the the vendor is a millennial 
and this is their wheelhouse, their expertise, and we're going to move forward with them creating some content for this client that will expose them to uh, a new generation. Mm-hmm. Well, Laura, I think, first of all, let me thank you for being a guest because this is uh, an avenue I had not been down before, and glad I had the opportunity to have you on as a guest to share this information uh, with, uh, with our listeners today. So let me say thank you for being a guest on the Public Relations Review. And to all of my listeners, thank you for listening. And please, if you've enjoyed the show, be sure to give us a great review and uh, perhaps even follow us. But again, my guest today has been Ira Gostin. He is the president of GH Strategies in the great state of Nevada. And once again, Ira, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.